Hey folks, this is Rabble Rousing Rich Bergeron. And it's the Tornado Tony Pimpical. And Psychic Tom Paget with a glowing crystal ball. Alright, and uh, we got a lot to talk about this week. No guests. Probably going to have a pretty quick show here. Half an hour to 45 minutes if we can swing it. I'm going to be talking like the micro, sh micro Machines guy to get it done. No. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. Uh, no, we're not really in that much of a rush, but um, probably we'll end up like that. Um, we got UFC 201 this weekend. We've got uh, a World Series of Fighting event. We got uh, some boxing matches going on, of course, as we do every week in the boxing. That's good. Game. I like that. Uh, we got uh, Premier Boxing Champions going to be doing a big event uh, tomorrow night. Uh, we got uh, all kinds of stuff going on Saturday. And uh, as Tony was mentioning before we went live, uh, he did get the winner right in uh, last week's big PBC card. It was at the Showtime one. I don't know. I can't keep up. Um, it was, I think it was HBO pay-per-view. HBO. There we go. See, I got none of them right. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Uh, but yeah, Terrence Crawford uh, had the win over Victor Postal. What was it like a tenth round knockout, or was it a? No, no it was a decision. It was it was a, a unanimous decision, and there was a fight. Now, if it was an MMA fight, um, Postal probably would have won because the first three, if it was a three round MMA fight, because he closely won two of the first three rounds. Right. And then Crawford pretty much whitewashed him after that. And then there was the Solomon fight, which we were actually watching on the show last week. He lost, obviously. Uh, Tommy Carpensi lost to uh, Gavodzdik. Um, yeah. Hey, Tommy fought well. You know, he had that big knockdown in the first round. Right. Um, and he had him hurt. But, you know, he just started really, really taking some punishment. The biggest fight over this weekend, which we will get to when we really examine the uh, schedule for boxing, is uh, Carl Frampton versus Leo Santa Cruz there on July 3rd. Be a good fight. And uh, Adonis Stevenson also fighting uh, Thomas Williams Jr. on the 29th. Just tomorrow night, I believe, right? Yeah, it's yeah, just tomorrow. Yeah, and and that one's on Spike, so we get a freebie there. Right. Tony, how, how um, do you how do you feel? What's your gut reaction on that one? Well, I've only seen Thomas Williams once or twice before, and that was on um, I believe ESPN or maybe um, one of those um, Fox One cards. And I mean, he's not a, a bad fighter. Um, I don't have his record in front of me, but I don't think he has the pedigree to be able to um, stand up to Donna Stevenson. Now, hey, Stevenson's a, a very good fighter. You know, he's champ of the world. Um, you know, he's had some real good wins under his belt. Um, but right now, the, the way it's starting to fall, I'm starting to see him kind of fall back in the um, the, the um, standings of, like, the, the, um, the top light heavyweights. And the reason I say that is because obviously you have uh, Crusher Kovalev. He's got to be your number one. I mean, I have had people say they think Crusher Kovalev is the number one pound-for-pound -pound boxer in the world today. And now you got Andre Ward as a light heavyweight. And the one guy that I have lunch with uh, almost every day, well, until tomorrow, um, his number one and number two fighters are Kovalev and Ward in that order. And they're going to fight in uh, November. Um, um, provided Andre Ward gets past his uh, August 6th tune-up. Um, so right there, it's like Stevenson's already starting to fall back a little bit. And then you get some other, you know, pretty good, you know, light heavyweights out there. And it's like, what is Stevenson really doing? Is a fight with Thomas Williams really going to help elevate him? I don't know. And the fact that, you know, his reputation took a little bit of a hit when um, Kovalev called him out in the ring and mocked him, and he never signed to fight him. Hmm. Yeah, and, and it's kind of a no-win situation for him, I think, because if, if he does pull it off fairly easy, they're going to say Williams was just not at his level. But 
I get the feeling Williams is going to really make a good run of it. I don't know. I just, I, I, I don't know what I'm going by with it because I know we have seen Williams lose before, but I like the way he came back. Um, he really seems like he's prepared, more than prepared. So um, that'll be interesting because that's going to be my upset of the week. Mm-hmm. Okay. we got got to have one. There's just something that, uh, and I agree with you, um, uh, on paper it should be Stevenson's fight, but we'll find out. That's why we fight. Right, exactly. And, and you figure, I mean, he had that far fight with um, um, Fanfara, and, mm-hmm. you know, in that fight, um, that was, you know, a good, hard fight, and he was stunned a couple times. You know, um, I'm trying to remember the, the other fight he had out there, and, and um, he was he was rocked pretty good in that one, and I'm, and I'm drawing a blank on it right now. Um, but it was it was a fight as of recently. Um, shit. But uh, he was he was rocked pretty good. I forget if he was even knocked down in that one. Um, I'm sure it'll come to me sometime on the card, hopefully. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we got the big Leo uh, Santa Cruz card as well. I can find it here. I will go over it. That's on Saturday night in Brooklyn. Leo Santa Cruz, 32-0-1 at Featherweight, fighting Carl Frampton, who's 22-0 at Featherweight. Uh, that's for the WBA Super, Super World Featherweight title. It's a super title because nobody's got to know. I mean, somebody's always got to go. Somebody's going right. to have an O at the end of this. Uh, somebody might have a draw who doesn't have one, Carl Frampton. Who knows? Uh, uh, the co-main event is pretty interesting, too. Well, one loss there for each guy. Sergey Rabchenko, 27-1 and one at Super Welterweight versus Tony Harrison, who is 23-1. And, one. and uh, they each had their last loss three fights ago, so it's pretty interesting, too. Pauli Malignaggi not retiring, facing Gabriel Bracero here in this one. He is 35-7, and seven, Malignaggi. Fighting Bracero at welterweight uh, with a record of 24-2. and two. Ivan Redcatch also on this card. He is 19-1-1. One one, fighting Tevin Farmer, who's 21-4-1. And, one. We got and you know, Tevin Farmer, a, another great win recently. Right. And, you know, and this is another good step-up fight for him. Um, talk about a guy that over the last three years has steadily, steadily improved himself. That's Tevin Farmer. Um, I think early in his career, and I get a lot of the inside information on him because he's a Philadelphian, and, you know, I've, I've covered a couple of his fights. I think Tom and I got to see him fight together um, when we were in the one fight card, and in the three months between those two cards, his improvement was, I mean, astronomical. And he was a guy early in his career, you know, didn't have great numbers. I think he was like four and four at one point or something like that. But he really wasn't focusing on the sport. Um, you know, kind of like a Freddie Pendleton. It was 15 and 15 before he knocked out Roger Mayweather. Got confidence in himself. Really started training. Went on to a world title. That was the thing with Kevin Farmer, you know. He just hooked up with the right trainer. And he dedicated himself. And now you are looking at a very good young fighter. Who is, um, you know, capable of, um, you know, riding this you know, a, a good way, possibly a world title. Yeah, you, you bring up a good point. Boxing is not the kind of thing to dabble in. <laughs> if you're not all in, forget about it. I, it's a, like I've said many times, it's a very jealous mistress. Right. Uh, also on this card, Mikey Garcia, way down the list here on the card, but he is 34-0 and 0 at Super Lightweight, fighting Elio Rojas, 24-2. and 2. And then our former guests, of course. Got to have a former guest on a big card. She is fighting at featherweight, Amanda Serrano. She's 28-1-1. One one, okay, fighting sure. Fighting Calixta Silgado, who is 14-6-3. And, and that is for the WBO World Female Featherweight title. So that's about uh, wraps up that one. Then we've got some uh, HBO Latino fights in Indio, California on Saturday couple of guys with some undefeated records here. 
Antonio Orozco, 24-0 at welterweight, fighting Abner Lopez, who's 23-5. Then we got Joseph Diaz, 20-0 at featherweight, fighting Victor Proa, who's 28-1-2. And that one's for the NABF featherweight title. Pretty good card there. Then we go to so all the way to Sunday stuff. Nothing really jumping out on Sunday. But we got to go back to uh, tonight. Actually, in Orlando, Florida tonight. We'll have to find out who it was. But uh, Hector Camacho Jr., another former guest of ours, was slated to fight TBA. The Ever Dangerous TBA. No, not TBA. 58-6 with one draw as Hector's record. TBA is unknown. We just we don't know. <laughs> so we'll see. See how, how that works out for him. But uh, yeah, it's Adonis is tomorrow night. That's on Spike TV. He is 27 and one at light heavyweight, fighting for the WBC World Light Heavyweight Title. Thomas Williams Jr. his his opponent. He is 20 and one. 20 wins, one loss. Difference between those one losses is Adonis's was a lot longer ago. And uh, Thomas's was in his last five fights. Uh, we also had a change in the co-main event. Chad Dawson had to pull out against Elider Alvarez. Uh, Alvarez comes in at 19-0 at light heavyweight as well. Berridge coming in and on 10 days notice at 27-4-1. Also on the card, another Carpensi, Jeremiah. He is 12-0-1 at heavyweight. Fighting Oscar Rivas, who's 19-0. That's right. Oh, 19 and oh. Stuff to do is heavyweight. Uh, Demon Nicholson, 17 and 1, fighting Emmanuel Alim, 16 and 0 at middleweight. Sounds like a pretty decent fight on paper, at least. And then we've got Custio Clayton, only 8 and 0 is a super welterweight, but he's stepping up to fight Silverio Ortiz, who has a lot more experience at 34 and 17. So that's, uh, that's a lot of fights. Over 50 fights to, to only 8 fights. <laughs> Kid better be good, I guess. And that's pretty much it for... Well, here we go. Uh, there's one over in Gauteng, South Africa. That's pretty decent. For the IBO World Super Featherweight title, we've got uh, Jack Aziz, who is 35-18-5, fighting Malcolm Klassen, who is 32-6-2. Boy, Stevenson is really a heavy favorite tomorrow. Um, Odd Shark has him at um, minus 625 from Williams, plus 400. And then um, Ovada has him at minus 700, Thomas Williams at plus 450. Woo! Right. Oh, boy. Well, got to stick with my, got to <laughs> stick with my upset. Well, hey, man, <laughs> yeah, you, you built a little bit on that, and you hit, and hey, you're smiling. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's why a few years ago when we were out in Vegas for um, the um, Pacquiao-Bradley rematch, and I was there with a couple buddies of mine, you know, we're walking through in the MGM Grand, you know, we, we got there, you know, hours before the card was even set to start. And when you were hanging out, we're playing the slot machines, and, you know, just, you know, just chilling around, you know, people watching and shit, and then we looked got the idea that we were going to put um, a 20, each of us put $20 on the draw as a decision, figuring the odds were something like 16 to 1. So, you know, 20 bucks would pay you something like 320 or something, something like that. And we're like, shit. So we, we all put it on there. And after the first six rounds, fight was dead even. We're like, oh, shit, we might be on to something. Well, we got a shot. <laughs> and then, plus you're in Vegas. God knows what the judges are thinking. And then Pacquiao swept the last six rounds and ruined our money. Ah, what can you do? Anyway. I mean, I, I can understand, you know, the reason doing that because, um, you know, one-to-one, -one, they're figuring if they um, called it, uh, it a draw, even if Pacquiao clearly won, they'd have to have a third fight. And they didn't think it would sell. Exactly. I'm, I'm, wait, I'm waiting for the response. Tom, you want to hit me with it? 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, all I all I can say about that is if that would have happened, Pacquiao. I mean, the expectations were so high for Pac-Man that a lot of people would say he's he's finished. I mean, he had right. in that fight, in my opinion. Well, I, and I, I, I agree. Would, if that would, if he couldn't get past him second time, even though we all know that first fight was tainted, but still, right. He had every chance here. Well, it was a level playing field. But you, but you didn't pick up on my joke. I said if, if they called it a draw, they'd have to fight a third time. Well, that's what I meant. Yeah, <laughs> here we go again. You know, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's just no no way that was going to happen. Oh, well, you say the odds were like. Uh, but they did fight a third time. Sixty to. But I mean, I mean, the odds against a draw were uh, sixteen to one. Woo. So twenty twenty dollars would have paid you three twenty. Yeah. Not too shabby. Uh, anyway, uh, we were talking about upsets a little bit earlier. There's a big uh, another upset over the weekend. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko is your new champion. Or not champion, but uh, beat uh, Holly Holm, and uh, she's your new uh, championship contender. I guess you should say. Uh, Holly is now 0-2 in her last two fights, and uh, Shevchenko goes up to 13-2. Holly drops to 10-2 there, and uh, it was a unanimous decision. Holly didn't really complain about it. It wasn't really controversial at all. Uh, Edson Barboza also got his unanimous decision over uh, Gilbert Melendez in the co-main event. And that fight hurt to watch. <laughs> I felt the pain of those leg kicks. And, you know, a lot of times when people haven't really felt the fury, you know, the fury of a good weak tie guy, I mean, Gilbert just showed all the heart in the world to stay in there, but this was a bad setback for him. Because, yeah. really, he hasn't won a fight since uh, 2013. Now, I know he had the suspension, but still, this was, I mean, he had all the courage in the world, just kept coming forward, but... You know, and it's so easy to sit and say, well, gee, he should be lifted his leg. Well, Barbosa didn't telegraph his catch. Right. Pretty hard to do that when the guy's that fast and that hard. I mean, I, you can kind of tell after the first round where this thing was going. Um, yeah, this is one I did not, unfortunately, watch. So I missed one. It's on free TV. There's no excuse, but hey. Totally. Well, yeah, you got to have a life now, you know. But yeah, you... That was that was a painful one. And as far as Holly, she was just she was just out hustled. Yeah. And uh, the uh, her opponent was from uh, was it Kurdistan? It seems like anyone with us from a stand. <laughs> really, <seems laughs> just, yeah, something about these stands, uh, like uh, uh, Triple G was at uh, Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan. Yeah. 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 Any time I hear that stand, it's like uh huh. Okay. This ain't going to be no easy night, and it's not going to be an easy fight. It must be something in the water in those stands or something. <laughs> Maybe it's the horse milk. And then but, uh, <laughs> we had a couple uh, other fights that uh, didn't last the first round. Francis Nganu beat Bohan Mihailovic by TKO, 134 into the fight. And uh, Felice Herrig made quick work of Kaylin Curran, uh, rear naked choke submission, one second short of two minutes into the fight. And uh, Eddie Wineland uh, also uh, stopped his man, Frankie Sands, within the distance by TKO in the third round, 154 into that round. And then we had four unanimous decisions in a row and one split decision. We had Darren Elkins beating Godofredo Castro by unanimous decision. Kamaru Usman beating Alexander Yakovlev by UD. And... Uh, we also had uh, Michael Prezeres beat J.C. Trell by unanimous decision, and Alex Oliveira beat James Muntasri by unanimous decision. Uh, and we had Jason Knight beat Jim Ehlers by split decision, and first fight of the night was Luis Henrique Barbosa de Oliveira beating Dimitri Smolyakov by Renekka Choke in the second round at the 3.58 mark. The, the, the winner of that fight has quite a title for a name. Boy, that, that sounds like royalty. Wow. <laughs> That's a mouthful. That is a mouthful. Yes. Uh, we also have the big UFC 201 coming up this weekend. 
Main event, Robbie Lawler versus Tyron Woodley. Lawler comes in at 27 and 10. Woodley, 15 and 3. And as we mentioned on a previous show, Woodley's already talking about boxing uh, Adrian Broner when he beats Robbie Lawler. Like, it's uh, it's going to happen. So, maybe, maybe he knew what we didn't know at the time, that the Fertitas would be out, and that might be possible. <laughs> well, I, you know, Rich, I think what this will come down to is we'll see if Woodley can get any kind of um, a takedown, if he has any kind of takedown success. Not to disrespect his stand-up game, because he's got power, but I mean, right now, Lawler is just in that groove on the feet, and he's just in that good boxing rhythm, he's clean, he's crisp, and his takedown defense is, uh, is impeccable, so I think uh, if Woodley has trouble getting this fight to the floor and can't stop him on the feet, which is possible, for sure, but I get the feeling that, well, no, after that, first round's going to tell us a lot. Uh, we also have Rose Namahunas versus Carolina Kowalkowicz, who is 9-0. Uh, Rose is 5-2. and two. Don't let that record fool you. She's pretty damn tough. Uh, so that's the co-main event. I, I agree with you, Tom. Uh, Tyron is really unproven in the main event there, but uh, Robbie Lawler has been in there with everybody who's anybody in MMA, and he can take the hits. So, I don't know. You know, it's, it's almost like his chin's even better. I mean, it was always good, with the exception of that Diaz fight. And I don't know if you, I don't know if you're even following things back then, back 2003. Oh, yeah. I think it. that I've was. I've seen it on the greatest fights tape, the DVD. I mean, yeah, yeah and uh, uh, but aside from that, his his chin's been pretty much concrete. I mean, he took the best that Hendrick could throw at him twice. And, uh, I, and, and Condit rocked his world a bit, too. So uh, it's just going to come down to Woodley's wrestling skills. If he can if he can keep it on the ground, I think that he, he has a chance to make it interesting. But And again, in cardio, Woodley has had trouble in the later rounds. So I think if, if after three rounds, it should be Robbie's fight going away. Right. Uh, we got Matt Brown fighting Jake Ellenberger, and it's like a loser leaves town fight, maybe. <laughs> I don't know, somebody like Yeah, uh, uh, Brown's a prohibitive favorite in that fight, but I kind of get the feeling for good reason. Jake, Last fight. Jake, Jake has just been on the downside for, God, you know, he came along with such potential, but, uh, yeah, I think Brown's about a, like a four-to-one favorite or something. So it's, Brown is uh, 20 and 14, and Jake is 30 and 11, and... Uh, both like to grapple a lot, so we'll see how this one goes. Uh, Francisco Rivera also on the card, eleven and six, fighting Eric Perez, who's fifteen and six. We got uh, Uncle Creepy Ian McCall, thirteen five and one, fighting Justin Scoggins, who's eleven and two. Nikita Krilov, twenty and four, fighting Ed Herman, who's twenty three and eleven. Jorge Masvidal, twenty nine and eleven, fighting Ross Pearson, who's nineteen and eleven. That's an interesting one way down on the card. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, well, and, and, and Ross took that fight on short notice, and he's also making his debut at Welterweight. Wow. So go, fi go figure. That's a tough one to, to debut against. Yes. Wilson Reyes, he is 20-6, and six, fighting Hector Sandoval, who's 12-2, and two. Freddie Serrano, 3-0, and oh, fighting Ryan Benoit, Benoit or Benoit. Who is eight and four? And then we have Michael Graves, six and zero oh, from the Ultimate Fighter team uh, show versus uh, Bohan Belikovic, who is fourteen and three. And we got uh, second fight of the night, Damian Grabowski. He's twenty and three, fighting Anthony Hamilton, who's fourteen and five. And then the first fight of the night will be Caesar Arzamendia, who's seven and two, fighting Damian Brown, who's fifteen and nine. Then we go to World Series of Fighting 32 on the 30th. And that's uh, Marlon Marais versus Josh Hill in a rematch. Marais is 16-4-1. Josh Hill is 14-1. And, and I'll tell you in a second who won the first one. Uh, but then we've got uh, Alexander Almeida in the co-main event. He's 18-5, fighting Lance Palmer, who's 10-2. Karos Fodor versus Ben Fodor in a brother versus brother match they've been talking about for a couple months now. 
Carlos is ten and five. Ben is six one and one. I wonder. I wonder what the mom's going to do about that one. I wonder if mom's going to be watching. All right, mom's betting on one of them. Watch. <laughs> she knows. <laughs> she knows who's going to win. I, I, that's that's still really. I don't know. I mean, people say, "Yeah, we fight each other in the gym all the time." It's different. Yeah. Uh, Joe Lazon and his brother, uh, who's drawing a blank as to what his first name is right now, but uh, they fought. They got it on videotape and everything. It's on YouTube. Lazon brothers. Dan Lazon. Joe and Dan. Fought right in their backyard, though. It wasn't in a cage or anything. <clears throat> All right. So, Joshua versus Marlon Marais. Just checking this out. That was uh, Marlon Marais won the first one back in February of 2015. Uh, we also have uh, Lewis Taylor fighting Phil Hawes on this one. Lewis is 12 and 3. Phil is 4 and 0. Hakeem Dawodo, Dawodo, he is 5 0 and 1 fighting Marat Magomedov, who's 7 0 and 1. Rex Harris 9 and 2 fighting Nick Salchow, who's 6 and 0. Andrews Nakahara, 4-3-2, fighting Travis Dewerge, who is 5-8. Alfonso Gonzalez, 9-1, fighting Thomas Hoper, who is 5-2. Matt Kovacs, 11-15, fighting Bill Woodler, who is 9-6. Patrick Benson, 1-0, fighting Brent Malone, 1-0. Matt Coble, 9-7, fighting Colt Hausauer, who is 4-4. Four Second fight of the night, Justin Hugo, 1-1 one one against Tyson Lynn, who is 0-0, making a debut, his debut. And first fight of the night, John Mark Cortez, 0-1 versus Joe Elzia, 0-1. So somebody's O in the win column's got to go there. <laughs> That's it for that card. Uh, Mark Hunt's been making the news this week. I don't know if you noticed, Tony. Or Tom, but uh, uh yeah, he's had uh, got a little controversy here. Well, I mean, uh, some of the stuff I agree with him on, but um, got a little ethnic. You catch some of those comments. Uh, uh basically, he's uh, he's talking a lot about uh, the the test, um, and the fact that. Uh, you know, he hasn't gotten any of the money that Lesnar made from this fight. He thinks he should get some kind of, uh, of a bonus from directly from Lesnar's paycheck uh, out of this because of this situation. And he says, you know, what's the deal with all these people that uh, are regulating this? They say the fine goes to us. Well, what about the person who loses the fight because the guy's on the juice, you know? Well, I, I think he has a lot of legitimate complaints, but then I've seen that one quote that was all X'd out, and then it had White Boy after it. <laughs> but, oh. You know? Okay. What's up with that? I didn't see all but, the quotes, but there were some vicious ones, especially against the the you know people who run the UFC. They don't give a shit about you, he was saying. Um, you know, and it's it was some pretty interesting stuff. Uh, another interesting development is Benson Henderson from the other league now, Bellator, uh, says uh, he agrees with a lot of... Uh, uh, Hunt's argument. He says, I 100% support Mark Hunt, everything he's doing and talking about. I think it's a long time coming. It should have been a long time ago as far as a union. And uh, he says, there are a lot of other guys, Kung Lee, John Fitch, there have been guys who have talked about it for a long time. I show my support and solidarity with those guys. As a mixed martial arts, I definitely support martial artists. I definitely support them. MMA is such a young sport, he said. The NFL has been established. It's been around a long time. Boxing has been around a long time. Major League Baseball has been around a long time. But MMA as a sport is so young that a lot of guys who do MMA, the fighters of MMA, don't really know what it's like to be a professional athlete. So as a professional athlete, you think, oh, I should get this. There are certain things for actors It's the same way. They get to enjoy the Screen Actors Guild. They're, this is what you should get. It's not an extra thing. It's not something nice. If you go on the set and you're there for a 10-hour shoot, you're supposed to get lunch, and they're supposed to provide lunch for you. It's not, oh, my God, they gave us lunch and sandwiches. Awesome. This is great. No, you're supposed to get that. You should get that. So, this is Bob Well, uh, okay, well, what was the exact arrangement as to why Lesnar got a pass on this? Um, was there, It was something in the one-fight contract that they said that, 
what was the exact deal, Rich? I mean, legally, do you know about that? I have no idea if there's a free pass. I mean, uh, as far as the WWE is concerned, they're not punishing him, but the UFC, I don't think, has made any determination as far as how they're going to punish him. Okay, well, I mean, I mean it makes sense to, to make it a no... Well, I wonder what the Nevada State Athletic Commission is going to do about it. Right. Because they're up to their neck in this testing stuff, too. But, I mean, if we're going to do it, let's do it. I mean, what's fair for one's fair for everyone. And I, I would question why he's juicing in the first place for pro wrestling. Right. I mean, I, 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 mean, I know that their bodies take a big beating, and, and roids do help with the recovery, but... Well, Brock Lesnar, he's one of a kind, isn't he? Mm -hmm. guy, guy, the guy's <laughs> fascinated. I mean, if Brock Lesnar were playing checkers, I'd watch. Right. I mean, because you, <laughs> you just know he'd get triple jumped and then he'd be throwing the board everywhere. I mean, I, the guy's just so fascinating. <laughs> and uh, we but, did hear, uh, too, that uh, we did hear, too, I don't know if we talked about it much last week, but uh, the, the, the day of the fight, he popped positive, too. And we hadn't heard last week as to what he popped positive for, but. Uh, I did read somewhere today that it sounds like it's uh, estrogen blockers, which is exactly what John Well, well whatever, whatever it is, at the very least, it should be changed to a no contest. Right. At the very least. And then I think let the, um, let the athletic commission decide. But no punishment. Um, even though somebody actually pointed out to me on Twitter today that somebody's coach on oh. one of the wrestling organizations was busted for steroids uh, and they didn't even wrestle in competition it was just like a coach that did, was taking steroids for bodybuilding and he had some kind of a punishment because he was uh, the, the wrestler's coach on WWE broadcasts or something ridiculous I don't know who well, I, I, don't, I don't think the WWE has any, any prohibition against any PEDs do they? Well, they think. test their guys. Uh, well, they do have a, they do have a wellness policy because um, they recently suspended Roman Reigns for thirty days, and um, part of it was he was taking like Adderall, hmm. and yeah, they suspended him for thirty days. And now, you know, because they had factored him into so many of their um, plans, um, so he had dropped the title like right before the suspension so i don't know if the suspension was known but hadn't been announced yet but the first two shows that he was back on was a, a pay-per-view this past sunday and he was the one that took the loss you know he took the pin and then um then monday night he um lost cleanly again so so, so this is just this, this is the organiz this is the organization though the WWE. This wouldn't be any athletic commissions. Am I right about no, that? No, not athletic commissions. This is strictly the WWE doing that. Right, because I don't think it, they're they're considered entertainment, not really a sport. Um, exactly. Yeah. Right. Uh, we also have big developments uh, in the UFC again. Uh, I don't know when it's going to actually happen here, but uh, UFC 100 fight between Dan Henderson and Michael Bisping will be redone at a later date here for the title. Now that Bisping has it, and uh, it's going to be Henderson's last fight. He says, that is my plan, win or lose. I'm ready mentally to retire. My body could still probably go another two, three years, but I put it through enough. I'm ready to take it a little bit easier, but still be involved in mixed martial arts, doing something a little bit different than fighting. And uh, he's been fighting since uh, 1997. Yeah, I, I remember him in, in the early days when all the wrestlers wore shoes. Hmm. Well, that was a, like a different sport back then. Yeah. So different. And he but won the prize yeah, middleweight he, and welterweight yeah, for sure. He was the last ever Strike Force light heavyweight champion, and he, uh, he also won a UFC middleweight tournament back at UFC 17. And before then, he was a very accomplished Greco and Roman wrestler, representing the United States at the Olympics twice in 1992 and 1996. Almost qualified in 2000, but got beaten in the finals by Matt Lindland, who went on to win a silver medal. All told, Henderson has spent the last 25 years in gruelingly intense sports. 
So that's it. Says that. I think he's. I think he's earned his retirement. Well deserved. Right. But uh, you know, I don't know how personal it is with him. But Bisping seems like a version of Ken Shamrock in the sense that he just holds grudges and uh, you know he just builds it up and builds it up and. Yeah, this will be this this will be interesting. He says, uh, "I'm sure uh, that that uh, Bisping wants that one back, as far as the first knockout." He says, "But that one he'll never get back. I think that one is instilled in the history books with some of the more favorite knockouts out there. But I'm hoping to add one more to it. I plan on doing everything in my power to beat his ass again." <laughs> Bisping will be in the twilight zone if he loses. Yeah. He will be. Yeah. He will be the world's most miserable man. So, like Shamrock, the world, the world's most dangerous man. I think after that last Gracie fight, Shamrock had to be the world's most miserable man. You know, we haven't heard a peep out of either one of them, because right. um, Shamrock was hoping to get um, get a fourth crack at Hoist because of the controversial stoppage. Well, he got popped for steroids again in his last fight. So, yeah. So. Um, that's right. So they, this could be at least, what is it, at least six months and maybe two years. And Henderson so also, if that wasn't enough, said, uh, there's that saying, be careful what you ask for. You might just get it. And this might be that thing with him. I don't need to say anything to him. He'll feel it later. <laughs> <laughs> and let's see. He was born in February of 64, so he's 52. And if he gets a two-year ban, he'll be 54. Wow, I'm getting up there. Gracie will be um, 52 if they can do it again. I don't. Well, you know, uh, I don't. I haven't heard anything about Gracie's IRS problem. No. But he may be desperate enough to have even uh, agree to a fourth one if he right. if he can make an offer to the IRS and get out of the tax mess. Hmm. I haven't heard anything about that. Right. But it was bad. Well, bad, bad, bad. It is what it is. Um, and uh, speaking of uh, Bellator and steroids and all that stuff uh baby slice baby slice is uh, signed to bellator kimbo slice's son gonna uh, try to uh wow. secure his dad's legacy i guess or f further his legacy by uh jumping into the sport at a very young age uh, i did see his very first fight that was going around the internet for a while he was kind of gets in, in against the pushover but he did all right you know Nothing like his father's style, of course. He's, he's a lot smaller and skinnier, but, uh, yeah, it's good to see that. Um, George Foreman's son, Monk, went and uh, accomplished quite a bit in boxing before uh, hanging it up and running his own uh, gym down there in the Boston area. Um, so let's hope uh, something like that happens with uh, Kimbo's kid and he can, you know, make a, make a career out of it somehow and you know, really learn how to appreciate the sport. A little bit more than his dad did before he got into it. <laughs> well, like, like when we had Camacho Jr. on, as, as I was asking him about the pressure of that, and some people would think it's an edge to have a famous father like that, but those are some very big shoes to fill, psycho yeah. psychologically and performance-wise. So yeah, I some... wouldn't think it would always be such a big advantage. Unfortunate his dad can't see him do it, of course, as well, but, you know. Who knows, maybe there's an afterlife. Maybe he can. And, and you know, take take Ryan Couture. You know, he look at the look at the shoes he had to try to fill. And then you look at Corey Spinks. Boy, did he have a different style than his dad? Huh? Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, a lot. You know, the whole different weight division and a whole different style. Right. More like his uncle. All right, well, I guess that does it for us. It's the last big news item I had, so. Well, uh, I did want to just briefly talk about um, the pay-per-view fight card this past weekend. I, um, I ordered it, and, you know, we had um, Terrence Crawford, and the fight was more of a whitewash than I expected. And as I said to Tom before we got on the air tonight, um, in my mind, and I've seen Victor Postal, you know, a few times, but in my mind, all I kept thinking of was the knockout of Lucas Matisse. And so I was, you know, really, you know, in my mind, he was more of like, you know, a slugging type of fighter, a power punching type of fighter. And that's not correct. He is more of, um, with boxing ability. So I was 
categorizing him incorrectly. Now, I thought he would bring more of the fight to Terrence Crawford, let Crawford do more counterpunching. Um, and if the fight was like an MMA-style fight, it would have favored um, um, Postal because he won closely and uneventfully two of the first three rounds. But after that, you know, Crawford just uh, just figured him out and started really dominating him. And, you know, he had scored two knockdowns. I don't think he was ever in danger of stopping him. But, you know, Postal really had no answers. And, you know, it was a fight you'd have to really understand the sport of boxing to enjoy. It wasn't a Gotti Ward, uh, Castillo Corrales, Hagler Hearns type of fight. You know, um, you'd really have to enjoy a guy like Terrence Crawford and his superior skill set and, you know, and his adaptability to really sit there and like, really appreciate what he was able to do out there. Um, you know, also, you know, it was a entertaining undercard. Um, I will have to say that Adelaide Bird should not be judging anymore. I've never been a fan times of... that we heard this? I mean, you know what no. I mean? Again and again, and who does she yeah. know? I don't know. You know what? I mean, and it reminded me of a story that I had read recently, and it was um, a judge, and he was an older gentleman, and he had recently worked, uh, it, was the one of the, it was a fight when I was down in Florida just a few months ago between uh, Luis Ortiz and Tony Thompson. And Ortiz dominated the fight. He had two knockdowns. Um, you know, he really clobbered Thompson pretty good, stopped him in six rounds. Well, the one veteran D.C. area judge um, had Ortiz only up by a single point after five rounds, 48-47. And it was like, how is this remotely even possible? He's knocked the guy down. He's clearly dominated the fight. How is this remotely possible? Well, apparently when they were talking to the judge afterwards, and his name is escaping me right now, um, he was saying, like, I only had it, you know, you know, one point difference. I, I, didn't, I didn't score the knockdowns. And you could tell the guy who was, like, 87 years old is showing signs of uh, being senile. And it's like, and you really feel bad. But then... then Whoever is licensing, you know, that judge really then needs to um, focus on themselves and not allow that to happen anymore. Um, yeah, and, and, and you got to wonder where the judge's integrity is, because if you get to the point, and there's no shame in getting that old, but, I mean, when, you, when you're in your 80s, it, 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 at this stage of the game, uh, I mean, unless we can get some radical life extension technology, <laughs> here in your 80s, there ain't no getting better. And you would think that the judge, out of love and respect for the sport, would disqualify himself. It's time to give it up if you can't do it anymore. Right. You know, absolutely right. Um, and, but unfortunately, you don't see that like you really should. Um, yeah. And, you know, and a lot of times, like, sometimes you're right for like, the integrity of it. But sometimes, you know, you don't realize it. You know, a lot of times uh, certain people don't realize that, um, you know, they're losing their mind. I have um, um, a relative. Um, you know, she's in her 70s, and she's really losing it. And, like, she'll come over, but she doesn't know that. So she'll want to go out driving somewhere, and she'll get lost in her own neighborhood. And then next thing you know, she's, like, 20 minutes away, and she's lost. Or, you know, she'll say, or she'll do something like, May, like we'll come over and we're we're making dinner, you know we're we're making homemade pasta, and she's like, oh, have you ever made these before? Yeah, the last time you were over, we made them almost, but you don't want to say it like that, you know. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we make them almost every time you come over. Oh, or, or sometimes I go out to lunch like, oh, did we order? I I didn't order the fish. It's like, mm, yeah, you did, you know. But she doesn't know. So in her mind, if she was a professional boxing judge, she would think, I can, I can still work. I'm, I'm still doing a great job, you know? And then it's like, oh, oh wait, wait a minute. I, I scored, I did what? And then you feel right. bad. Uh, then but, 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 then, but then again, who's running the show, though? I mean, we do have commissioners. We, we do have other exactly. judges. 
and, and to me, as painful as it would be, um, the sport comes first. I mean, well, and you're right. Finished. I agree 100 percent with you. And and you have to call things accurately. I mean, I remember when um, Forrest Pets uh, fought Dan Hardy, and uh, that was live uh, down in Canton, a little town a short ways away. And it was a brutal fight. This is before Hardy made it to the UFC. And uh, it, it was close. And like I told Forrest afterwards, I said, well, I had it 3-2 to two in your favor, 48-47. I said, but Forrest, you know me. If I felt you came up short, I mean, as close as I am to you, I'd have to tell you that. I mean, the sport's bigger than any one person or anyone's hurt feelings. Right. I'm sorry. I mean, if you don't feel that way, you, you shouldn't be involved. I don't know, maybe right. I'm in the minority on it, but that's that's my view on it. And I, no, I, I agree with you. The, the other judges, I mean, and, and there's just nothing to destroy a fighter's mentality. I mean, when you, when you know you get just hammered. I mean, we've seen that all too often, and it has to be destroyed. Yeah. Emmanuel Augustus. How could, oh, absolutely. That, that name will always come to mind with me. God, that guy got, got some bad decisions. Well, that's what Teddy Atlas was going to have a heart attack that night of the um, in first Courtney Burton fight. Yeah, in Michigan, right? It was in Michigan. Yeah. And that's when the guy was like, oh, I'm a, a majority de- or a split decision. He's like, no, it was a majority decision. Don't you know the difference between a majority decision and a split decision? You're the commissioner. You need to know these things. Well, you know, split decision. It was not a split decision. It was a majority decision. You know, yeah. I, I, and then the guy was little, figured, and then the, and then they were funny. Like, you tell me what's a majority decision, and the guy was like, "Well, you know, no. Do you tell me what's a majority decision? Tell me what's a split decision. You tell me." Oh, that was classic. I almost, I almost figured Teddy would say, "Why don't we put on the gloves and just get up in the ring now? You and me, let's go." <laughs> oh, would that have been classic? Would they have set some uh, ratings uh, records on that one? Oh yeah. yeah. Now, Tony, uh, what's what's the convention fight like? How's that been going? <laughs> what this bullshit going on in my city? Yeah. <laughs> Fucking terrible. How's that? <laughs> now, you guys know me. And you guys know that I am not often the most quiet, human, most quietest human being on the face of the earth. <laughs> and, um, and really, <laughs> gee, uh, yeah. I, I didn't know. Um, I guess you, you came out of your shell, huh? Okay. Yeah, and and I'm not a person that really tolerates nonsense. You know, I am friendly. I am fair. If I have a word to describe myself, I would want to use two words: fair. And integrity. That's and and I hold myself to high standards. You know, um, I, I listen to people's opinions. Um, I, I I have my own thoughts. I have my own thought process. But I do try to listen to other people's opinions. Now, um, and and here's where I think things get kind of ridiculous. They're having the Democratic National Convention in Philadelphia. That's fine. You know. What a perfect time when we're having all these problems with our public transportation and a lot of our trains out of service that are they're overcrowded enough as it is, but fine, whatever. Now, I work in Center City, well, at least until, you know, um, about 20 hours from now when I walk out of there and I'm no longer a Center City employee and I'll be starting in Horsham on Monday, woo-hoo. Um, so I'm down there last week I'm at work and... And I leave my building, and I walk. This is before the convention even came to town. And I walk down the street, and I see about twenty bicycle cops in front of the train station. I said, "What's this?" And then we come to find out. Um, uh, Ten minutes later, as I'm sitting on the train, I look on Facebook, and I see one of my coworkers taking a picture from inside our building because we have a public entrance before you have to go through the turnstiles with your badge, where a bunch of protesters went through our revolving doors and they blocked our exit for whatever reason, you know, just to be in the way. And they wouldn't let people out. And, you know, hey, I want to go home. So if you would have been in front of me, I'm sorry, we got a problem. Because for me to go through the building and then out the other door, I might not catch my train. And then I got to wait an hour. No, not happening. I get called a tornado for a reason. A tornado does not go around a house. It goes through a house. <laughs> Right, and, 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 there's, and there's and there's a lot of torque 
moving to the left. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You like that one, Tony? You like that I one? I do like that one. Tonight, huh? Yes, sir. I do like that <laughs> one. Um, and like I said, there would have been a, a lot, and uh, trust me, there would have been a path of destruction. So, I'm like, and then I put on there, I'm like, yo, if somebody would it my way, I said, I would have no problem blasting somebody. And the one woman I work with, nice lady, you know. Um, now, I granted, now, she is very liberal. So, um, <laughs> she's, you know, not really against the protesters. So, she was like, Tony, you just can't go around hitting people. I said, listen, if they're, on my, if they're in my way and I feel threatened, I hit. <laughs> you know, I am an offensive, defensive type of person. And offensively, self-defense. So, now, the other day, Monday, because now the convention's in town, um, during lunch we hear this protesters, And part of the protest, which I actually find is kind of funny, a bunch of Bernie Sanders supporters, liberals, are protesting the Democratic National Convention because they believe it's rigged, which a lot of evidence is pointing to. Um, and so they're protesting that. The other thing they're protesting is they want receipts of all the donations because apparently there's some money missing. Three of the people that they want to resign from the committee that brought the DNC into Philadelphia, one is the um, CEO of Independence Blue Cross, who's a Republican, so that's already making me laugh, and then Ed Rendell, our former mayor and governor, who's very liberal, and then I forget who the third person is. So now, Monday, they're protesting outside the... Um, Independence Blue Cross building, which is directly across the street from me. So I went over there, and I was like, you know, I got a movement. It's called Get a Job Movement. You know, so I'm already a little ornery. <laughs> Tuesday, um, it's lunchtime, and I usually don't do anything during lunch. When I was doing my push-ups, I'd go to wherever my site was going to be that day. But normally, I just wander. I go outside, and I wander around if the weather's nice. Or I talk to security guards that we got that are real nice guys. So as I'm walking downstairs through our atrium, I see one girl from my department walking in the opposite direction. She's like, where's the other exit? I said, why? Protesters have our doors blocked. We had to lock our um, revolving doors so they couldn't get in, but they have, they have our doors blocked. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. So I'm out talking to the security guards. I'm like, I'd like to go out there and start blasting people. They're like, oh boy, he's getting ornery. So, as I'm standing out there, and I could see they had a video camera, and it was trained on our building, so I photobombed. <laughs> I got right up to the glass doors, so I knew they could see me, mouthed out a big fuck you, and gave the finger. Why were they obsessed? Just a second, hold that thought. Why, what was the big deal about your building? Because we are owned by Independence Blue Cross. And our the CEO of our parent company was the one of the people on the um, that brought the Democratic National Convention to Philadelphia, and there they want him to resign, God not from damn. being the CEO of the company, but so, resign so from this committee. So, so they're taking it out on every employee. Okay, what? pretty much, all pretty right, much. So, so that puts me yeah, so, so that puts me in a bad mood. So, so now I walk out all the way through the building, and I, all I want to do is go down the street and get a cup of coffee. That's all I want. I'm a person should not be allowed to have caffeine, but I want caffeine. So I walk all the way around, and now I come to pretty much where they are, and I'm like, bunch of bullshit, nonsense, and I'm like, you people need these people need jobs, and I'm saying it pretty vocally, and you can see a few people kind of turning, but you know nobody's saying a word. So now as I'm walking down the street, they have a bunch of police officers lined up, you know, and they're lined up there and, you know, just trying to make sure that everything is okay. And I felt the right thing to do was to walk up to each one of them and shake their hands. So when I, and they were all lined up in a row against the building. So I walk up to the first cop and, you know, I didn't really say anything. I just extended my hand and he looked at me with a shocked expression on his face and he was tentative, you know, he put his hand down and he shook my hand, I said, thank you. And then, and then as I went down the aisle to the, about the time I got, you know, the seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th, the last two, these guys were now very appreciative. They were smiling, they were nodding their heads at me, and they were, and they were thanking me for thanking them. <laughs> there was no reason to thank me. <laughs> you know, they were doing, I was appreciating what they were doing. And I even saw a few of them today, and I nodded at them and waved when I was on my way home. Um, but then I go, I get my coffee, so I get my caffeine rush in me, and now I'm on my way back to the building, and I'm ornery as hell. 
So I get back to where my building is, and I can't get in my normal door, and I see my friend, security guard friend, Dave. Dave's a tall African-American gentleman, young young guy. I say he's maybe mid to late 30s, maybe around my age, glasses. Very, very nice guy. Now, he has to wear a suit and tie. It's nearly 100 degrees, and he's got to stand outside in this suit and tie because these bozos are out here. And I said, Dave, look at this. I said, look at this tomfoolery. <laughs> and I said, and he started smiling. I said, can you believe this? I said, Dave, I apologize. You got to stand outside because of these bozos. <laughs> I said, they ought to learn how to get a job and do something constructive with their lives. <laughs> you know, instead of messing with innocent people trying to go to work. I'm sure you didn't say and that. So I, you know, either. I put this on Facebook. How you know irritated I was, and you know, and um, one girl that I knew from college. Um, she she had she felt the need to you know respond to me. She was my brother-in-law and you know so and so were there or his father and they do have jobs. I said, listen, they have no right to be impen- in- impeding innocent people who all they want to do is go to and from their place of business to make a living. They have no right to block us from going into our building or coming out of our building. No, and she was like, I understand, and I'm like, good. Hey, fucking understand um so and, and and the last part about it was you know yesterday um i was you know downstairs i didn't really have anywhere to go i don't i don't think i went to get a cup of coffee i might have but i'm downstairs and i see we have two entrances um both with security guards both with um you know revolving doors and um then then turnstiles when you do your badge if you get in the door um, so I always go out the one door, which is closer to the um, train station, you know, about about a block. So um, I'm at I'm at that door, and it was Dave by himself. Me and him were just talking, you know. And he's like, "No tomfoolery today, thank goodness." And we're laughing. And I was like, "Yeah, I felt bad. You had to be outside." And then the radio goes off, and he's like, "It was from the other entrance." So like, they're starting to congregate outside our entrance they might be headed down to yours mm-hmm. lock the revolving doors and then only one entrance which was the handicapped door but then they'd have to have somebody like right in front of it and and you could see dave who was laughing 20 seconds ago his face went stone serious and he's locking it and i said because i was about to walk out and go get my coffee um and I said, Dave, I said, I'll be here. Because he didn't have any backup at the time. They, they were waiting for someone to maybe get off break or whatever to come back. So there'd be two people there. I said, I'll stand with you. I mm-hmm. said, I know it's not my job, but I'll be here with you if you need backup. Nice. He's like, he's like okay, I appreciate that. And then um, and then what I ended up doing, I'll think I went to get a coffee. What I ended up doing was, um, you know, I stood with him for about 15 minutes. Till, till other security guards arrived. And then I went and I sat in our atrium area, you know, to talk to a few people that I knew. I said, listen, if anything happens and you need help, I know it's not my job, but I know technically I'm not supposed to. You yell tornado. <laughs> and I will be up there in three seconds. And I'm swinging. <laughs> But you know something, Tony? Yeah. I could imagine. I imagine you felt at that point totally alive, like an adrenaline shot. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah. I, I've yeah. had, I've had, I've had situations like that. Uh, you know, back in my money days, once at this club, I was trying to t- buy, and and I, I wind up this, uh, with the security, and someone was telling me, if you're going to own the club, you can't be in security. That's what's where the excitement is. That's the <laughs> adrenaline. Yeah, really. And and. and and all of us, I mean, if you're attracted to fighting, you have to be at least somewhat of an adrenaline junkie, if not a pure yeah, really. 100% adrenaline junkie, because that's the excitement. It's just, you know what I mean? It's just, there it is. Tony, you need, to, uh, you need to pull a move like that movie Lean on Me and start walking around with a baseball bat. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. You know what? Um, and I'm going, this is, I'm going back about almost nine years ago. Um, one club that I used to go to, and this actually, have this all ties in together, is actually pretty funny. Um, I used to go to this one bar club all the time, and um, and I remember the, um, I knew the owners, and the owners years later used to book me to play Santa Claus for their Christmas parties, and 
Um, they were going to have me do a function in my Phillies outfit, but unfortunately that never happened. But we would do like, a lot of stuff there, and they would always they would come up with me, uh, they would, we would go over gimmick ideas. This was a couple years ago, but a couple years before that, I was always friends with the one doorman bartender. He actually just passed away a few months ago, and he was a nice guy. Um, and we would, every time I would come there, he'd, he'd always see me, and he'd always meet me with a handshake, and we'd always laugh, he'd always buy me a drink. He was a good guy. And the one time we're sitting there talking, and um, he's like, Tony, he's like, I can see, see, this is when I was starting to gain weight. Remember, I'm a thick guy, so even when I gain weight, a lot of it, you know, is thick throughout my chest. He's like, Tony, he goes, well, he's like, it looks like you're bulking up a little bit. Are you even lifting? I'm like, no. Hmm. He's like, would you, he's like, would you ever want to be a bouncer here? He's like, because he's, you know, you're a big, thick guy, you know? And I'm like, I said, Tommy, here's the problem. Two problems. One, I'm not tall. So a lot of times, a lot of these guys that are taller than me, they equate height to a lot of things. So if they're looking, you know, taller than me and they're looking down, they're going to get a little jumpier than if they're looking at somebody who's 6'5", 6'6". And I said, and then the, the other problem, Tommy, is I'm pretty quick on the trigger. What's that mean, Tony? I said, it means I'll drop you before I can even blink. Oh, we can't have that here. I said, Tommy, I said, you remember the, like, the one guy, um, you know, hit me in here when he was drunk and being a jerk? And it's a couple of your bouncers restrained me from beating the hell out of him and his three buddies. He's like, oh, yeah, I do remember that. He's like, yeah, maybe, we, maybe you wouldn't be a good bouncer. I'm like, yeah, I tell you right now I wouldn't because I did bouncing when we had house parties at school. And we had a guy get in my face one time, and yeah. Um, we ended up carrying him out because I knocked him out. <laughs> and a week later, a week later, I had come from a, um, I think I came from a wedding that night because I was somewhere where I didn't get there at like normal nine o'clock happy hour time. I got there at like closer to 11. So I forget if I was at a wedding or if I was at something. And... So I get there, and I knew the one um, cocktail waitress. And, you know, she goes, oh, man, she goes, it's been crazy here tonight. And I said, why? She goes, we've had about four or five fights here. She goes, what is it, a full moon? <laughs> well, what had happened was there were two groups of guys, and for whatever reason, they were clashing. But it was always breaking into a one-on-one -on -one fight, <laughs> which is very rare these days. Yeah. But two guys would start fighting, they'd both get tossed. And it would almost be like, but the rest of the groups were still there. I don't know. How this ever happened, I don't know. Because here's two things that don't make sense to me. One, if you toss a guy from each group, why are you not tossing the whole group? And second of all, if somebody from your group gets tossed, why aren't the rest of you leaving with them? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's almost like two guys would get in a fight, they would get tossed. And they'll come into the next two in command. <laughs> they then up getting in a fight a little bit later. They'd get tossed. And so this girl, Ashley, is like telling me, oh, my God, there's some fights going on. It's been crazy. And I'm like, oh, man, that sucks. And then I'm talking to Ashley and this other girl, Deb. And we're sitting there, you know, we're just talking a little bit. And I see these two guys, from one from each group, converge at the bar at the same time. Hmm. And I'm kind of looking at them. And Ashley and Deb are in front of me, and these two guys are about five feet from them. And I could see them start to have words. And then the other guy headbutts them. There was no punches, though. It was a headbutt. I said, you got to be kidding me. Next thing you know, punches start flying. So I grab Ashley and Deb, and I put them behind me until the bouncers got there. So I don't want these girls who are much more attractive than I am and are not used to getting hit. I kind of am. Um, you know, I don't want them getting hit. You know, I don't want one of these pretty girls getting hit. You know, let me take the punch. Who gives a shit what happens to me? Um, um, but then the bouncers came. They tackled these two guys. They're throwing them out. I'm like, what the holy hell? And Ashley and I used to joke about that for years because... A year or so after this event, maybe not even, maybe about nine months, I got her an internship at my job, which she ended up staying there about six months after I left anyway. And she was the very same girl that put me on the diet last year that helped me lose all that weight. Nice.
Well, because I didn't want to get punched in the face. There you go. No good deed goes unpunished? Is that how it goes? That's oh, right. No. <laughs> all right, well, we could tell stories all night, but uh, that, that was some good ones, Tony. That's why Tony's not a good one. I always try to keep you guys entertained. All right. Hey, that's it, bud. I'm the end of the game. All so. right, guys. Well, we're going to wrap it up for this evening, and we'll see you next week with a fresh guest. Uh, and that is in fresh as in live, not uh, fresh as in uh, offensive. <laughs> okay, know. okay. And maybe we might All see right. uh, maybe we might see Tony from South Philly on next episode. Who knows if we don't have a guest? Well, maybe, well, I'll, I'll do a Tony <laughs> from South Philly. You know. All right. Okay. All right, well, gentlemen, um, as always, my pleasure. All right, guys. And, um, Enjoy the fights, and uh, let's see if my underdog can pull it off tomorrow night. Oh, uh, okay, that'll be awesome. I'll be watching just for that, Tom. Right. All right, buddy. Awesome. We'll see you guys next week. All right, absolutely, gentlemen. All right, bye.